Welcome one and all to a new episode of my RPG podcast. Today's episode, we've got Elias Thompson. Elias is a good friend of mine who, uh, as well as making internet content, also produces and stars in the online RPG show Realms of the Wild, which is based out of the Zelda Universe channel. So in this episode, we talk about what it takes to produce the show, put together the party, dynamics such as that, and of course, then being a player and producer. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome one and all to a new episode of My RPG Podcast. Today's episode is featuring our friend Elias Thompson. Elias, will you please introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Elias Thompson, as I have previously introduced. Uh, and I am a producer and cast member on the Zelda Universe Zelda RPG show Realms of the Wild, amongst 50 billion other things but that's what i am relevant to this podcast <laughs> yeah and not to pigeonhole him but we are going to talk specifically about your rpg experience with realms of the wild as well as your own rpgs in your own time so since that's our topic and that's the name of the podcast elias what's your background with rpgs how did it all start for you? i feel really pigeonholed right now um yeah rpgs so I, I i've been kind of a product of this sort of new age i think i, I don't know consider it like a D &D res renaissance um that i guess sort of started with the inception of uh, 5e back when D, D next was getting beta tested uh a mutual friend of ours uh, who i believe you've had on the podcast already trainer jody uh Shortly after I, I met him and I met you and a few other folks, uh, he invited me to an online game. Uh, I think it was a parody game. That was the first one uh, where he's just like, hey, it's for this event. I need players. Are you interested? And I was just like, sure, why not? Don't know what I'm doing, but seems interesting. So he like he made a whole character for me and just like gave it to me and I did my best um but uh ever since that i it it's it's just been a, a bit of a slow roll ever since then i would regularly play in that game like once or twice a year uh eventually uh got kind of a home game going on which is sort of sort of once a month ish and then uh you know as as i started to take on other uh projects of sorts in my life, uh, especially in relation to uh, the Zelda Universe Twitch channel. One of the ideas I had early on was to do a Zelda RPG because it's not really anywhere else. And uh, everyone else who was involved with the channel loved the idea, and so we sort of fast-tracked it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I haven't been doing a, sort of a tabletop role-playing games that long, but uh, I did uh, a lot of theater in high school, and uh, that sort of mindset really uh sort of helped it was it yeah, was something i, I could take to the table you know yeah i find a lot of people who have a theater background are uh kind of well positioned 
to get into D&D or just any RPGs in general because of the commutative storytelling aspects and also the fact that very few of us ever do come in with written lines into our games. So improvisation is probably one of the biggest things you can have when getting into RPGs. Oh, no, dude. I, I, I script don't ha- my entire session. Are you kidding me? I script everything I say. <laughs> Man, your prep time must be ridiculous. I spend well. two weeks for a one-week preparation session. No, it's... uh, Yeah. it's it, Improv is a, is a nice tool to have in that respect. And... Uh, it was, it was a little interesting for me at first because there was a a significant gap between the theater I did in high school and the first time I did it. Um, it would have been, geez, uh, I want to say six or seven years uh, since I last did any really theatrical or really acting kind of work. Um, and so it was, it was nice to sort of uh, reacquire that muscle memory, so to speak. Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming, you know, the transition, obviously, learning new rules and new skills and things like that associated with the system, but the transition is probably a lot more fluid or more seamless if you just remember, you know, back to your acting and improv days of like, okay, somebody's going to kind of go on, on a route and you, you're going to follow them in accordance with the general idea of a character you have. So, yeah, I can see where the two and two are very synonymous. But before getting into, like, uh, and you said it was D&D, and we both actually got into D&D through the same person, Trainer Jody, our friend. Did you have, like, a, any sort of RPG, high fantasy background or anything like that at all as well? Because I find a lot of people, before they ever do a tabletop RPG, they will, of course, have played, like, a Final Fantasy or an RPG video game on the PC or something like that. Oh, sure. Um, you know, I watch tons of movies like that. Lord of the Rings comes up uh, in my mind. Um, but... Uh... You know, I, I produce a Zelda RPG show, and that comes from being a Zelda fan for a very, very long time. I was exposed to that video game series uh, for almost as long as I've just known about video games in general. So that's that's been a, a pretty consistent sort of uh, fantasy uh, gaming-related sort of just a series that, that I've known about and, and uh, been a fan of for a very long time. And so, uh, yeah, like any, any time I think, you know, uh, a fantasy, in fact, a uh, freshman year in high school, my first, uh, theater class I did, I think our final was to write and produce a play. And I wrote mine basically like a movie script because I have a problem, but, uh, it was this like high fantasy setting that was, you know, took cues from the legend of Zelda pretty much. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think across my life that was, that was a, a big influence, I would say. And uh, it's really interesting that it's kind of come full circle where I, I played these fantasy RPGs for a little while and then was able to, to help uh, get a Zelda RPG on the web. So you did mention when you got into your first RPG that the character was kind of given to you. I just want to know generally when you play an RPG, video game, tabletop or otherwise, do you want the character to be a representation of yourself or are you 100% playing the character? And what I mean by that is in a lot of games now we get, you know, customizable armors, cosmetics, things like that. And I know a lot of people who want their character character to be kind of synonymous with who they are in real life. And then on the inverse of that is I know people who are like, well, it's a video game, so it's a character. So I'm just going to do whatever the character or the world calls for. So it's, you know, maybe playing a different gender or playing a different personality other than your own. Is it like that for you when you play RPGs? It depends on on the scope of the RPG, I think. So if I'm... If I'm given like a single RPG, like uh, 
technically this is an RPG, so I'll use an example, but the Pokemon series, uh, you sort of, especially in the more modern ones, you can really customize your character a lot. Um, But you're given one character to use in a single save file, right? And so, uh, and mm-hmm. that that applies to I don't know I can't think of any at the moment, but a lot of other RPGs where you, you get one character that you use for the whole game. <clears throat> and so for those, uh, yeah, it'll it'll basically be a version of myself that looks cool in relation to the world that it's in. Or uh, you know, and I think it's great that you mentioned Pokemon because if anything, I believe Pokemon's like the perfect like RPG light. Like, before you get somebody into Final Fantasy or before you get them into, like, D&D or anything like that, or an MMORPG, like, you know, WoW or Aeon or whatever of your various ones, to see if they like the mechanisms that are inside of Pokemon. And then if they do, I think you'll have an easier transition. And then then on the the converse side of that, you know, my my MMO poison of choice is Star Wars Yield Republic. And you can have, I think, up to 16 characters on a server. Um, so, uh, yeah, my main on that, so to speak is, is sort of likewise, again, I chose a a cool race and then it's basically just a, a kind of Jedi representation of myself. Right. Um, but then, you know, I, I also want to make other characters with other classes and those are, are very different. I don't, I don't really play on any RP servers on that game, but they make very different, like story choices. That's a very story driven MMO. And so they make very different things that I would not, you know, me would never, you know, do. Like I have a basically a, a dark side version of my main character, which, you know, does dark side stuff, but in some, kind of the me way. And so and then I have, you know, half of the characters are female. So that changes things a little bit. So, um, yeah, it, it, it I guess it depends on the scope of the game. But I think uh, I, I my default setting is definitely to err on this sort of self-insertion kind of aspect for sure. So you've started playing RPGs then as we're going chronologically through. And uh, what was the means in which the party was put together? Was that just kind of haphazardly or was that chosen amongst friends or how did all that come together? And also, how did you figure out what sort of role you fit in the party dynamic? And what I mean by that is for everybody here is uh, very quickly you'll find out in any sort of uh, party, like if there's a very... um, let's say a bolder forward person, then you're probably going to try to maybe, if, if you want to compliment them, you could try to be that way or you can recognize that that person has kind of that slot taken care of or that kind of personality point taken care of. So you kind of pick something completely different because nobody wants five, you know, bards who are all entertaining themselves. Though I've heard of bard-only games and they're pretty cool, but I think you want a different dynamic. So how do, how do your parties come together and how did you figure out your role in the dynamic? Yeah, uh, for realms, right? Yeah, for realms and also going into like any of your previous games that you play on your own. Okay. Um, well, uh, for previous games... Um... Yeah, that, that sort of first one was just sort of a generic fighter with a soldier background that was given to me. And uh, I, I play him very rarely that I'm still kind of figuring out his character even this many years later. But uh, that was a that was a good sort of just intro to sort of get my feet wet into what this would be like. Um, it, eventually, uh, you know, I, I would put a lot more time into that. With Realms, with my character in Realms of the Wild specifically... Um, we, uh, we did have an audition process for that because we knew it was, it was going to be a show from, from the beginning. Um, 
you know, sometimes you can, uh, you know, have a game that, that you do privately and then people sort of agree like, oh, maybe we should make this, you know, a stream or a content of some kind online. And then you pretty much already have your party where you know your dynamic and stuff. This was a sort of new RPG show that we were forming for the purposes of broadcasting. So we did uh, have auditions. For the most part, they were private. Um, private both within uh, Zelda Universe as an organization, as well as sort of our expanded networks of the producers on the show. And so uh, we we held auditions. Uh, I was I was convinced to audition uh, by the other producers um, because at, at the very least one of them knew. Uh, well, you know, Trader Trainer Joni is is the uh, the the game master on that, and so he he had seen me role play before, and he asked me to audition. Um, I took myself out of the casting process for that as a producer for myself, but. I just uh, I just came up with a, a quick little character for the audition, which uh, for those unfamiliar with Realms of the Wild, it's a Zelda RPG set in uh, the Breath of the Wild period of the <laughs> super convoluted timeline, um, where uh, you know there's there's about a hundred year span that the game talks about right before the events of the game, where it's very post apocalyptic and not a lot is seemingly happening. Um, and so our campaign takes place uh, within that 100-year period uh, for Breath of the Wild because, you know, that's the more, most relevant game. A lot of you know, Zelda fans, it was, it was sort of a decision made there. But the audition games were done in the time period of Ocarina of Time, classic Nintendo 64 first 3D Zelda, right? Um, and so that, that changed a few, you know, things whenever you're coming up with an audition character of, okay, it's got to be a race that was around that time. It's got to, you know do that so i came up with this goron guy really really quickly because i was you know busy you know trying to organize the show and produce i was just like yeah it's a it's a goron uh he likes bombs yeah <laughs> and uh i just sort of filled in the rest during the audition process um as as we went and uh eventually the other producers uh decided that that uh I should be in the cast. And once we formed the rest of the cast, uh, we, we got a sense of the characters they would play. Right. And there was, there's, uh, what it ended up being is there's one that's very, very curious, uh, inquisitive about sort of, you know, ruins and technology and stuff. There's one that's very sort of, uh, full of herself on the, on the airing on the kind of the Royal, like stuck upside, there's one that's like a uh, an ex soldier that's that's puts on a lot of bravado but has a lot of stuff going on underneath, and so that that sort of left the door op open for I was th I was thinking of making a new character for the actual campaign should I have been cast, but once I sort of got a sense of the other characters, I was like, well, this Goron who really likes bombs and has a few loose screws, um, seemingly is is uh, I think would would be a good you know fit for the party. And I think everyone else agreed with that, uh, having seen how I played him in the audition process. So that was sort of how uh, I decided to to sort of go that direction with that character, bearing in mind that uh, assumed party dynamic. 
Yeah, and you, what you're talking about here is an interesting take on something that, you know, is kind of the topic we have going on. I kind of wanted to hit on with this episode, kind of putting a party together and then how you create a good experience. And you're trying to do that, but not only uh, create a good experience for everybody who's playing the game, make it watchable and make it entertaining. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when you're doing that, did you have like a, a paradigm, a template, a sort of overall, like, I know this works. Or did it really just come down to like people you liked and people you thought would interact with and gel well together? Both. Um, like you said, we had to make sure that <clears throat> the party and the, the cast would get along and both in and out of character. But we also had to make sure this was going to be or had the potential to be an entertaining show for viewers to watch. And so one of the things we did, uh, you know, immediately, uh, probably even before, uh, we really started working on this was we looked at some of the more successful RPG shows out there. Um, you know, Critical Role is a really good example because they have, you know, professional actors that, that uh, their characters, at least at the time we were planning this, were very, you know, different from each other and diverse and yet played well off of each other. Um, and so that has proven to be a successful formula to, A, have a good time amongst yourselves most of the time, and B, uh, entertaining for people to watch. And a, a lot of that comes from if you're having a good time yourself, people like to see that. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, we kind of figured it would be a good idea to have, <clears throat> you know, D Zelda, the Zelda series has a lot of different races naturally in it. So, you know, having a, a good diversity of, of character races there, um, a good diversity of just how people are like, you know, and one of my games, uh, my home game, actually, it started off very much as like four or five just grumpy guys, just just sort of, uh, you know, talking to each other and, and making quips to each other. And that was that was it. <laughs> um, and so that's the kind of thing that can uh, possibly turn uh, viewers off, uh, especially if that's how you start something off. Uh, you know, your, your first episode makes a big impression. And so, uh, yeah, we sort of we sort of knew that going in, and I think everyone who was in the audition process, uh, everyone who auditioned, was also cognizant of that fact as well. Um, there were some people that did uh, change their characters through the audition, and some people who auditioned with one character and uh, were cast and now play a different character. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was uh, very interesting to to try and juggle all those pieces because those those were a lot of pieces and. I believe everyone involved in producing the show, this was their first, really first RPG show. I, although I won't say that because uh, Trainer Jody does broadcast his 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 games a lot. Um, but this was this was a whole like uh, you know audition you know put together produced thing. So, tell me personally, this I know is a first RPG show for the people who involved. But do you personally yearn for people who have some sort of RPG background in general when you're putting together a party or wanting to play a game? Or is that something that you don't care about or you're actually trying to pull people in, like uh, taking people with no experience whatsoever? Because I've mentioned this multiple times now with uh, the vast majority of my guests who tend to be GMs and DMs themselves, uh, is that we all kind of become... Um, 
missionaries or uh, evangels to the, to the house of the RPG where we intensely try to bring in people who show who haven't played but show any sort of interest <laughs> but for you do you find it uh, easier to play with uh, people who have experience or do you much prefer the challenges of somebody who's never done it before um both uh if if it's a if it's like a home game you know there's that's that's where your new players are going to are live going to live primarily right um, and that's, that's really, that's really, you know, great. You, you're there and they're, they're learning it. And, and yeah, as a, as a player or as a, uh, DM, which I've DM'd once in my life, but, uh, that's, that's really a, a good place to, to sort of foster that. And you can sort of see them light up as, you know, the games go on and just be like, yeah, this is really cool. Um, that is possible to work on sort of the produce show aspect as well. Uh, the reason we had auditions was because we, you know, we were gauging people who were interested in being a part of the show, whether they, whether or not they had experience or not, uh, playing before. Um, and then people who had played a lot before, and, and there was sort of a mix of that. Um, one of the things that we saw with auditions was, in fact, one of the key things was, do they role play naturally or well enough, uh, with any given other character dynamic or, you know, with themselves and the DM, um, that would be that would make for a good show you know that that was that was something we had to think about and so um most of the time that lent itself to the people who had played before because they were used to role playing um the the other the half of that there were some people who had never sort of role played in a, a tabletop rpg before but did again have sort of like a, a theatrical sort of background and so they could sort of slide into that really quickly and naturally so um yeah so for like uh, home games and stuff <clears throat> it's it's really cool to see you know, new players uh who who are just sort of coming out of their shells so to speak um to just sort of see that is is really cool on a show on on uh the show we were producing though we had to to sort of cast what would work well uh, as a show and that often lent itself to uh, people who, at the very least, had some kind of improv experience before. Yeah, so I, I have this quote from one Felicia Day, by means of Ryan Day, who I had a conversation with at, at SDCC once, which was, the things that work on the internet, the things that, that get all the massive views are either absolute virtuosity, like mastery of, of the content or the craft or the skill that is being uh, shown, or absolute uh, buffoonery and absurdity and humor, comedy, based off of that. So I, I, I think not saying new people are comical or buffoons, but there comes from uh, being new, kind of so many of these mistakes and, and funny situations. Uh, I, I think in your situation, though, you kind of have to err on the side of mastery or at least having comfort with that to really uh, hit one of these two uh, complete extremes in, in this quote, at least. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I don't know if any of us are masters, so to speak. Well, Jody, maybe. But uh, uh, yeah, def definitely we, we erred more on the sort of uh, experienced players. I think there there was one final cast member who didn't have a whole lot of, of uh, <clears throat> tabletop uh, RPG experience before, but they, they were one of the people who sort of slid into being able to to improv well and role play well um uh but yeah that like i mean 
there there are kind of two sides to that. There are successful shows, I believe, uh, online where it's it's basically your the an experienced DM is playing with people who had who has never played tabletop role playing games before, and the show becomes about you know uh, seeing them learn together, and it might even attract people who are interested that are learning with them. And so, uh, yeah, for for Realms of the Wild, definitely we did uh, go with. Uh, what would be entertaining to see, and we felt it uh, based on who auditioned, it would be more entertaining uh, for people who could, you know, role play well, because that's what drew people in. Uh, we noticed from the shows that we studied. Well, I see you have a kind of unique situation being a player and a producer at the same time, because <laughs> yeah, in the same way that a game master may uh, be kind of conscientious of how many moments or how many opportunities each of uh, his or her players is having in the spotlight and maybe trying to either gear maybe an arc towards the direction of one or two characters or maybe trying to then give a moment so the other people at the table feel like they're contributing. Um, You, as a player, you shouldn't technically have to do that, but as a producer, you kind of have to do that. So do you ever find yourself kind of, and I don't know exactly how the (laughs) storyline kind of frameworking template works between you and Jody, but... Would you ever find yourself noticing like, hey, you know, this person hasn't been, you know, speaking up recently or hasn't been participating. Maybe we should somehow get them involved or do you kind of leave that all to the game master to figure that out? So the way we, we kind of split that is both both Jody and I are producers. Uh, there's a third producer who's more of like an executive because he oversees like all of media for Zelda Universe. Um, but uh, as the, the guy in charge of the Twitch channel, I'm one of the producers and then Jody is the producer sole uh, overseeing realms of the wild as a show um once once uh you know jody sort of invited me to audition and especially once it became more evident that i would be in the cast uh jody was you know for good reason very selective of of what he told me about what he was planning you know he pitched uh whenever you know me and the uh, other producer had to uh think about who we were going to get as a dm and uh, when we eventually talked to Jody, he pitched us sort of his idea for a campaign. And he was, uh, he, he said enough of it to get us on board, but he, he did hold details back, um, uh, you know, in case either of us were in the cast, because he did, really didn't want to ruin that as a player uh, for good reason. Um, and so, yeah, everything like narrative or sort of creative direction uh, is is all is purely Jody. Um, the kind of producing I do is is mostly just like we have a, a two hour time slot. I try to make sure we we fit into that as uh, much as humanly possible. Um, stuff like you know uh, marketing the show or finding a, a a time slot for the show or you know doing doing all these all these other extraneous kind of producer kind of things. Uh, is is sort of what uh, I handle along with along with Jody. He he has you know as a producer a say in that and uh, helps with that as well. Um, but it's it's very much more of like an organizational aspect um, to that. Uh, the other thing I'll say is <laughs> during the show, where I'm for the, most of the time in character, there are a few times where. Uh, you know, it's so we have we have three of our cast who are on the West Coast um, and on the West Coast, our show airs at like 
9 a.m. <laughs> it's it can be rough some weekends <laughs> for me, especially. Um, but uh, sometimes, you know, when when a couple players don't have their coffee or something, uh, the role playing or or the game can sort of lull a bit. And there there are a few times where where I'm sort of in character, but then my producer mind sort of you know kicks in the door and is just like, hey, what's happening now? Might not be you know good content, so to speak, right? It might not make for a good show. And so that tries to barter with my in-game character mind of what can my character do at this moment to try and change that? <laughs> so yeah, it is it is really uh, interesting to be both uh, cast and a, uh, a active producer on the show, for sure. Well, agnostic of, of any uh, realm stuff, just in general and, and what you like to do, do you find yourself being some person uh, who enjoys a heavy kind of role play base and likes to see a lot of prep from yourself as well as your uh, players and uh, cohorts around you? Or do you kind of like more loose uh, and uh, more casual gaming? Uh, I mean, I, I just sort of roll with, with what the what what the group... Uh, really is into or what what the group's doing you know i uh i think i'm a little fortunate in that i feel like i can handle both so to speak um if if there's a lot of role playing going on and stuff like that um or if there's a really good opportunity for role playing like coming up or going on um then yeah i'll 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 dive right into that um Likewise, if it's if it's a lot more of a casual thing, or if it's a, a more of like a technical, like maybe like more dungeon crawler kind of thing, where it's 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 more like you're actually gaming um, and focusing on game mechanics, um, then yeah, that that has its place too, and and that that uh, I can I can do that <laughs> um, as long as I know the system, uh, if that's what the group you know is 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 doing, so to speak. So. Uh, yeah, in in general, uh, it's I th- I feel like it's nice to be flexible to whatever the kind of game is um, as a player. And I- yeah, and I think that dynamic actually comes from uh, probably your prep. I mean, most games uh, I've run, I typically have like either a prep document to give lore or just some sort of um, like lunch or quick chat session with uh, my players, either individually or as a group, where I go. Hey guys, this is kind of the game I like to play. Kind of my division between like heavy RP and then more casual. You know how much combat versus how much role playing. How much um, strict adherence to rules versus how much lax uh, rule of cool, as they call it. Mm-hmm. I like to have as well. So um, I, I think that's something that also does a, a real service to any sort of either show or campaign that you're going to run. It's kind of having that either session zero or at least that talk beforehand of figuring out what everybody wants from you. And then if there's any sort of like, uh, mis- not misunderstandings, if there's any sort of uh, situations to where the two don't exactly meet, then probably uh, figuring out like where you can compensate or where you can work together on that. Yeah. 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 I, I've had I've had two kind of uh, different experiences with that as well. One uh, with my home game and then one with the, the show. You know, the home game, your session zero can basically be the first, you know, session um, where, uh, you know, we, the first session, we, it was a lot of our first sort of regular game. And so we were trying to figure out like what kind of game it was going to be. We had these characters that we made. Um, and so uh, we, we, we found our footing eventually, 
but uh yeah you, you just sort of you explore get get a feel for what you want and then you just start playing that game um whereas for realms the show uh we knew that you know it wanted to be have a decent amount of role playing in it and you know some some nice character moments uh whenever the narrative called for it and in order to do that um i mean the the again the audition process was really helpful in sort of just exploring how that can work both between characters and with uh the players and the dm but uh anyone who was cast well actually in the auditions jody uh he he requested everyone who auditioned give at least a paragraph of backstory just so that for this little three hour, you know, test game, uh, he could work backstory elements in there to see how they sort of reacted to it and stuff like that. For those that were cast, boy, did we have to provide a whole lot of backstory, <laughs> um, which is 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 good. You know, we we've seen some of that come out in the in the campaign in the show already. Um, and so, uh, that, that kind of thing with, like you said, the amount of preparation, uh, and Jody, you know, he's one of the reasons we, we, uh, chose him as our DM is because he has a history of, of running these games that, that, uh, he gets the, all this backstory and blends it in really well to the campaign. Uh, and that's, you know, something we wanted to see in the show as well. And so, um, yeah, uh, we, we had about a month, a little over a month from the time we announced uh, the show to the the pilot, and we had these sort of character reveals in the uh, in the interim, and uh, those character reveals came from just coming up with this backstory and working with Jody on uh, finalizing the that, and um, I think it's really it's really made a big uh, difference as to as opposed to what it could have been without that otherwise you're just sort of kind of on rails so to speak yeah and i mean i had the uh for those listening and who don't know i i've actually guessed it on realms of the wild uh, thanks to knowing elias and jody and being good friends with them uh, over the past few years good and good i have friends a is a word. good <laughs> friends is a word Would i'm you sorry it's two words word it's like two words use? you're right it's two <laughs> okay fair enough um pedanticness aside um i've had i've had actually the pleasure to uh guest yes in realms of the wild and and he you know he requested the same thing uh and he gave me the same breakdown that i would ask of any of my players you know he kind of told me this is the type of game i like to run i already watched the game and i was a fan so that's that's fortunate did half the work for me but he was like just let's put this guy together let's come up with like a paragraph of why he exists in this world and what his position is. And then, you know, I love your input. And for me, my, my favorite thing as a player is to kind of play simplistic characters, but I love puns. I'm, I'm kind of a dad joke aficionado. Oh, so, I noticed. Uh, <laughs> so, so I had to, obviously, especially because it's based in the uh, Zelda universe, I had to make jokes about, you know, vases and pots <laughs> and breaking and thus the name Breyek, which is just, spelled as a weird phonetic way of saying break uh was born so i got to enjoy that as well and yeah that's something that i obviously i was benefited by giving the paragraph uh, ahead of time so at least i had a base of who my character was and then i already knew the show so i was kind of cheating in that regard i already knew every character and how they interacted in every player i just had to weasel my way into having a moment with everyone if i could yeah and it's it's interesting you bring up 
um, because that's sort of another aspect of of the sh- of the show is you know finding uh, good uh, points in the narrative to bring guest players on, um, and again that's something that uh, Jody largely handles uh, because again he's sort of in charge. He knows where the narrative is going, and he knows the different branches it can take, so to speak. So he knows at what points and what places uh, guest character opportunities could happen. And uh, yeah, Don, Don here was the first one. Um, it, it's my understanding, you know, he won't tell me too much for obvious reasons, but it's my understanding that he's still been in contact with you even after your appearance of what your character's doing. Spoiler alert, he lives past his appearance. And then, uh, yeah, he, he he's uh, apparently kept in contact with you of just like what you've been doing while we've been doing what we've been doing. <laughs> Well, as long as he confirms it, then I, I'm willing to say that, like, yeah, it's kind of really fun to get. And you know what's funny is uh, I've done a very similar thing to someone. Uh, I didn't run a show or anything, but I, I, I through that first San Diego Comic-Con I ever went to where I met Elias in person for the very first time, I happened to make a good friend uh, who had a, uh, just started, I think, 5e D&D at, at the time of that Comic-Con. And I just kept in contact with her over text. And after a while, I found out that her own personal game had ended. But she had this rogue, this tiefling rogue character that she liked a lot. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I throw that character into my game as, like, just a nod to you? And, like, you know, she sounds like a fun character. So she was like, sure, yeah, throw her in. Uh, Lo and behold, the party takes a liking to her. And actually, as her own uh, game is on hiatus or ends, and she's kind of moving around with life stuff, I kept this character, Neri, coming back in and out of my my campaign so i literally was doing that with her as well about like hey here's what neri's been up to here's how she's been here's how the party interacts with her and it's kind of this really cool thing uh i i suggest to anybody out there if you have anybody who's interested in playing and maybe he's not necessarily going to be part of your campaign or if your party's cool with having somebody jump in for a session um as long as they obviously are cool with it like bring them in and also make their character have a little spot in the universe so then that person can also get the joy of seeing like what people think of their character moving forward. And uh, I've actually done something similar for Elias when he came to my hometown to jump in my Monday That's game, which right. is a lot of fun too. Yeah, and, and we, we sort, of, sort of kind of did the, the same sort of thing where after I did what I did there, we got the rundown of, okay, what would your character be doing over approximately this period of time? And so the, the door is open to have... Uh, you know that character show up in an npc capacity or maybe a character capacity if i'm ever there again um and so yeah that that's i think something that's really that's really uh, a fun thing to do uh like you said again as long as you know everyone's on board with it and uh but it's 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 nice to see you know uh guest players and sort of guest people come into the group every every now and then and and just sort of shake things up a little bit and be like oh wow that's that's kind of different that's cool Hey, yeah, come come back whenever, you know, the next opportunity arises. Um, and and we, 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 we try to do a similar thing for, for Realms. You know, we don't have guest players come on too often. Um, but uh, when the opportunities do arise, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good opportunity to sort of just shake things up a little bit and uh, get get new faces on on the screen for people to be like oh man this character needs to come back or wow this character we should kill him off or you know <laughs> <laughs> oh that'd be great if i had a guest i mean actually i take that back i have had a, a guest in my at my at my table on my sunday game 
who came in and they survived the one shot because ideally as a DM, unless you tell your players ahead of time that this is like a, a slaughterhouse <laughs> grinder type one shot, in which case prepare to have your character killed. Um, you'd like to at least let them get to the end of the adventure and experience everything that there is to be had. But in this case, uh, she got to the end of the adventure and then her whole like, all right, well, what's the epilogue for the one shot was like, no, I'm just going to attack the entire town. And I'm like, you're level three. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to attack the entire town. Like, well, you managed to kill a few of them and then the rest of them kill you. So, ta-da. At least they got to like, the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least they got to the end of the adventure, but then got themselves promptly killed afterward, which actually I think is a is a nice convenient way to like finish that character too, because now you don't have to worry about what happened afterwards. <laughs> so that was actually a blessing in disguise. <laughs> Sometimes things uh, work out that way for sure. But yeah, speaking of interesting uh, dynamics that shake up parties, you also have in your show, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong if you've discontinued this, but kind of a voting rating system f- from the fans to see who they thought was kind of the MVP or did the best in the last episode. Uh, how's the idea come from, and what, what, do you, what do you think it does to the game if it changes character interactions or playment, uh, playing? Sorry, It definitely does affect the game. So yeah, we, we uh, it didn't have too much initially, um, but as the show's been going on, we've been trying to think of how do we get people watching this show to feel like they're doing more than just watching how do we f- make them feel like they're they're kind of a part of the game in some in some small way or or in some way that they think is meaningful uh and uh, the way we started that was yeah at the end of every show uh on the zelda universe twitter account uh we say hey thanks for watching who do you think was the uh mvp of the episode uh Whoever wins this poll will get something that's called a, a legend point in the system we use, which is an open legend RPG. Great narrative-based system. I highly recommend it. Um, and what legend points do is uh, they sort of add, they can add like advantage to rolls and stuff if you spend one. And uh, these legend points that are awarded from like chat participation don't follow quite as many rules as like a normal legend point. Like they can carry over from campaign. You can use them in situations where you normally can't use legend points. Um, and so, uh, the winner of that MVP poll gets, gets a special little chat legend point, um, that they can use. And then, uh, that, that sort of made the chat feel like, oh, because we, we thought they did well, that, that gave them the extra push they needed to make this cool thing happen, or maybe it didn't and they still fell, failed utterly. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's sort of how we started, uh, community involvement. We have kind of stepped it up a little lately. Um, you know, Twitch launched this great feature recently called uh, Extensions, which allow for a lot more sort of dynamic content to show up both at, uh, underneath the player as well as on top as an overlay. Um, there's one that the Zelda Universe channel uses where, you know, one of the goals with the channel overall is to sort of just increase the number of live viewers. You know, what, what uh, Twitch channel doesn't have that goal. So uh, one of the ways we do that is we award this sort of not currency called rupees, right? It's a Zelda channel um, that you just accumulate only by watching live. So the longer you watch live, the more rupees you accumulate on this little extension. And then once you have enough, you can spend these rupees on things that affect, you know, different streams. You know, we, we have other streams on the channel and there are things you can buy to affect those streams, but we have a sizable chunk uh, for Realms of the Wild. Um, you can use rupees to buy legend points for specific characters. Um, you can uh, buy uh, potions or fairies to help heal people. If they're like, 
really on the edge, right? And then uh, you get uh, into like the higher, you know, really, really expensive and hard to get stuff. You can design, you can work uh, with Jody to design an NPC that will then show up in the game. Um, and so that's really cool. And then the highest one, which has already been, de- been redeemed once, is a special episode, uh, which is sort of, uh, you know, has a different theme. The first one was, much to my dismay, because I'm not a singer, a musical episode. Everyone in the cast except me is a good singer. <laughs> and so everyone was on board with that idea. And then, uh, you know, kind of the whole Twitch culture thing where it's just like, oh, Elias, who runs the channel, doesn't want to sing in a musical episode. I'm going to save all my rupees and then buy this musical episode. So now we're planning a musical episode at some point. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, those those are just sort of different ways we've, we've sort of figured out for uh, um, the the chat to sort of just affect in in some subtle ways and some not so subtle ways uh the show and and sort of be involved uh without you know having regular you know just uh doing things that are logistically uh implausible or it, in, uh, that, uh, there's a word i'm thinking of that i'm sure you guys can put together but uh yeah um it's 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 been interesting for sure it it definitely uh that's an, that's another way things can get shaken up sometimes um and it's it's been fun and it's been interesting. Yeah, and I mean the the system which we kind of touched on briefly, but I think it needs to be, kind of be brought up is Open Legend and Open Legend's kind of no pun intended openness and kind of push towards the storytelling and less on the mechanics has this a great um, kind of uh, platform for you guys to incorporate into streaming, which I'd, I'd, I'd maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen too many streams, maybe aside from maybe a hyper RPG one that used open legend. And uh, I realized really quickly, it completely lends itself well to uh, broadcasting that online because of just the minimalization and the speci- kind of kind of the push towards being cinematic and iconic. So like the legend point system is literally encouraging you to do that like take a chance do something wild and it then of course like you mentioned ties into the way your audience participates as well so bravo to the system and bravo to you guys for uh, implementing that yeah it's it's a it's a really great system for for telling a story which joey's telling a very massive long story here um that he's sort of splitting up into different episodes um yeah the well like you said there's not a whole lot of mechanics in, in the system like none of us have classes we just sort of have these dis- archetypes that we made up um but uh one of the mechanics is you, you just write down a couple of flaws your character has right and if you make a you know rp decision that utilizes one of those flaws um then uh oftentimes you'll you'll get a legend point for doing that because it's not the as a player you're thinking this is not the best or this is not a good thing to do but the character would do that, and so the character does that. And so that sort of uh, allows them to, most of the time, get a legend point for that, which, you know, can, can you know, like I said before, I think, uh, affect, uh, give advantage to roles and stuff. So it's, it's, it's really nice. It's a, it's a really nice system. Uh, most of us, when we were thinking about the show, uh, we considered D&D, but that was... Uh, as 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 nice and 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 uh, streamlined as Five E is, is still uh, pretty mechanically focused, um, and we thought that for especially considering the fact that we were telling a Legend of Zelda story, um, 
using a system like Open Legend really lent itself, like you said, the openness really lent itself to sort of just creating characters that existed in that world. And so it's been, it's, uh, I've had very little to no complaints with it for the show, and it's, it's been a fantastic uh, system to use for it. Give me one uh, moment that someone else has done something really, really cool that you enjoy a lot in any of your games. And then you can also throw in one that you've done yourself too that uh, you remember fondly. Because I think we all, anybody who's played RPGs, even one session will have an awesome moment or a funny joke or a terrible failure that they'll always remember. So I'd love to hear people's uh, versions of that. So mm. give, give me one of that you've done and someone else has done. Well, okay, wow, I've got I've to think back into the recesses right. of my brain here but uh i i can i can long, i can i can i can give you a vamp i'll vamp so you can get some time to think if you like well let's let's see uh something that that's really cool that's happened so far uh, well okay so yeah uh in realms the first sort of boss encounter we had um was uh a stone talus and anyone who's seen uh or played Breath of the Wild, there's these these giant rock, almost humanoid things that just sort of rise out of the ground, and they're rocks. Like, you can't do a lot of damage to them. And so this was a very tanky, you know, first boss. And we were level, I think, one. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, because of time constraints, we kind of had to split the, the boss battle where we, for the, for the last hour of, of this, uh, I think it was episode three, we we uh, startled the boss and had to fight it, and because it was a giant boulder, basically, most of our attacks weren't doing a whole lot. And then it would just you know throw us into a tree or something by flinging a rock or something. Um, <clears throat> and so that that was that was very much just like a oh wow we're we're in bad shape here. Uh, it's not looking good. <laughs> I think uh, one person was knocked unconscious at one point. Um, we even had, for a little bit of the battle, like a group of NPCs that were sort of running interference, and they weren't weren't helping much <laughs> because it was just a giant boulder. Um, cut to the the sort of second part of that, where we picked it up in the in the first game, and uh, th- there wasn't really any any strategizing. Um, it was just sort of just getting reminded of the scenario, and then some somebody one of the characters. Uh, was just like, oh, wait, what if I tried, and I, I'm having a hard time remembering exactly what it was, but they have something that's akin to a hookshot, if anyone has seen uh, that in a Zelda game. And they did this this weird thing where they like hookshot it on top of the talus and, and used like a tree thing, and they did like some massive critical damage that more or less just killed the boss. Like we spent an hour a week or two weeks before uh, just just doing minimal chip damage, and then they found some way to just like take most of the HP away instantly, and then the boss was was pretty easy to finish off after that. So that was that was really cool, um, especially after being stressed for two weeks of just like, are we gonna die <laughs> on this next uh, this next episode? And there's there's been a few moments like that since then where I I know me personally have been legitimately concerned for. Uh, what's going to happen next but uh, the first time that happened in the show was definitely a memorable experience um as for myself 
I would probably say uh, <laughs> there there was a we found ourselves in a in a a dungeon basically in in realms of the wild and uh, narrative things worked their way to where we were progressing basically from room to room linearly at one point. And we found ourselves in an empty room. And as anyone who's played mostly old school Zelda games could tell you, sometimes you'll be in a dungeon in an empty room and then the tiles of the room will raise from the floor and start flying at you. Well, that's basically what happened to us. Uh, the difference was we weren't Link and couldn't just slash at them and they die. So um, we we had to, there was some scrambling involved and, and reacting uh, that, that was happening there. Um, at some point I, I looked at my sheet and I, I'm, I'm slightly, you know, slightly OCD in just that if I'm capable of doing like a, a bane or a boon, which is what open legend calls just sort of different things you can do effects. You can apply in either positive or negative way. If I'm capable of doing that with the, the stats I chose, uh, then I want that just noted somewhere on the sheet that said, hey, it's possible to justify this thing that you can do. And so I looked down and saw that even though I'm a, like a bomb happy, like Goron, whose main thing is just bombs, like that's it. Um, I was capable of doing a barrier. Um, I forget if it's a Bane or a Boon, but just making a, a kind of barrier. And so... Um, I was thinking, I was like, okay, how do I justify? I had like a turn to think about how I could justify this. And that's, that's one of the cool things about open legend as well, is that if it plays into the rule of cool, if you want to try something, just explain what you're doing. And if it makes sense and it sounds cool, then let's do it. So I justified this whole, like I take, I, I sort of cut open a bomb a little bit and take like this black powder and spread it in this, like uh, you know, semicircle around most of the players here and then just sort of light it on fire. And then these, these, these flames just sort of shoot up and it's blowing like hot air and just making upward thrust. So it's like an upward barrier and I'm just sort of fueling it with more black powder to sustain the barrier as it, as it goes on. And uh, he was down for that. And that ended up mitigating a lot of, uh, tile damage uh, for the most part that helped us sort of even in a very uh, fast moving situation sort of have us take a breath and get our thoughts together of how do we you know take care of the rest of these tiles that are you know maybe closer to us or, or stuff like that or what can we do to, to about tiles that we can't mitigate so to speak so that was that was a moment that I was I was kind of proud of where I was able to do more than just throw a bomb at something and hope for the best with my character. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll I'll throw in for me one of my moments because you know I want to uh, contribute and add something to the conversation here is I, I mostly jam and I I don't get to play as often as I like but um, one of my favorite moments are when there's really unorthodox solutions to problems and. Uh, I remember in particular, uh, I, I had my fight. One of, one of one of the fighters in my games was was in like a bare knuckle brawl, with, with, for like some prize money or something, and all this other um, uh, party members were kind of watching. And one of them happened to be a druid. And and one of my favorite things was, as their fighter was like starting to teeter and get close to the edge there, like the cleric had done a healing word, which you know in in the fray of, of battle, there's all sorts of shouting and whatnot, so you can kind of get away with that, and you kind of seem to get a second wind, and he kind of misses on both of his next attacks to take the other person down. It, it looks like oh man, he's, he's about to steal defeat from the jaws of victory. 
So the druid turns into, I think, a hawk or an eagle. And then ends up taking a crap. Like, roll like a natural 20 to take a crap. Which, you know, real cool. I'm going to allow him to do that. To take a crap on the opponent's face, which distracts them and allows uh, him, to, the fighter, to get the final blow. And just, just to see the crack, the, the people themselves crack up, me crack up at that moment was, was particularly great. And uh, so that's like one of the 101 different moments uh, I can kind of recall about all the uh, parties I've uh, run with and things like that that are a lot of fun. So As said fighter, I can't cooperate this. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's it's kind of funny that this um, enti- entire time, I'm pretty sure, uh, I don't think you've, you've been very kind as to not explain that I do run a game for you. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm the, the home game, game I've been so. talking about is you're, you're, the, you're the DM. <laughs> and yes, that definitely happened everyone, that, that was game. the whole long con I might, entire time. I, might I just wanted to talk about my game. Died had that gone differently. I, I'm just not sure. I've actually almost died several died. times during that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do you do that a lot, but you know what? That's what makes for great storytelling. And everybody in that party, and and this is going to tie into my next question is, let's uh, this is a question more of a comment. I find that in any games I play, after a substantial amount of time, and I substantial I mean is like four or five months plus, um, whether you only meet the person for three hours at a time, maybe once a week, two weeks, whatever, um, I don't think you can really play a game with people that you don't like. You don't have to be best friends with them. You don't have to like hang out and get drinks with them after the fact. But when you're spending three hours a pop, uh, or you know two hours, however long your games are, with somebody consistently over and over again, if you don't like their character, that's okay. But if you don't like who they are in general, that makes it really hard to enjoy playing a yeah. game with them. I think. And it's it's tip-top RPGs are really good for you know you get a group together of of you know bearable and eventually likable people. You do become uh, friends. Uh, in in a, lo- a lot of ways that come slower in other social situations, um, I, so- I sort of mentioned before that that three of the the realms cast members live on on the west coast. Um, one of those I I knew of for the most part, but didn't really know. The other one I knew, um, but we weren't really close by any means. Uh, now, like you know, we're friends. Uh, one of them is is driving down to to uh southern california where i live uh and one of the other cast members live um and they're you know we're, we're gonna hang out grab lunch and stuff and and like no one ever thought twice about that and so it's uh it's they have a knack for for pulling people together in a really uh profound way for sure yeah rpgs do kind of bring people together and it's kind of a great kind of cap for you know why if you can get the party experience and established and you can get them kind of gelling together that not only will you benefit from having a great game to play uh, i think you'll also benefit from having a potential set of new friends and uh people in your life yeah yeah it's 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 uh it's really nice well, Elias, you've been talking about it this entire time, about Realms of the Wild. Uh, so tell people how they can see it, how they can contact you as well. Uh, yes. So if you go to twitch.tv slash Zelda Universe TV on your favorite internet web browser, um, you can find the Zelda Universe Twitch channel um, where there's lots of different stuff that airs on that. But Realms of the Wild is the... Uh, Zelda RPG show that airs currently 
uh, every other Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, noon Eastern time in the, the American time zones. Uh, if you're not in America, you can time zone translate that to whatever you want. We actually have a widget on our Twitch channel, a little uh, extension that, that shows show times in your current time zone. So that, that will help you uh, if you go there. <clears throat> and uh, it's, it's every other Saturday. I think that by the time this releases, it'll be not this Saturday, but the next one. <clears throat> um, basically, you can follow at Zelda Universe on Twitter, and we'll always be tweeting uh, what weekends they're happening and which weekends they're not. Um, if if uh, it's it's not very discernible, but that is the time and place to be there. Shows last for uh, about two hours, sometimes less, very rarely longer than that. But right at around two hours is usually how long they last. Uh, so it won't take too much of your time. Uh, our DM Jody likens it to the return of Saturday morning cartoons, except it's a tabletop RPG on Twitch. Um, as for myself, yeah, I uh, my name is Elias Thompson. My handles everywhere on the internet are also at Elias Thompson. Um, I do manage uh, that whole Zelda Universe Twitch channel as well. I have a time slot on there Tuesday nights where I play basically any video game that's not Zelda. I do a lot of streaming on my personal Twitch channel, and then I, uh, <laughs> I do a lot on Twitch. I also uh, am a co-host on another Twitch show on another channel, Winecraft Wednesday, which is over at twitch.tv slash TV, where my co-host drink and rate wines while playing Minecraft. That's been probably my longest existing project at this point. So, yeah. Just Google Elias Thompson and filter out all the Boardwalk Empire references, and you'll find me. Yeah, aside from Boardwalk Empire, he's got pretty good SEO. I had better SEO before and that show. This, this next show. Uh, I had I, I showed up in a Twitch chat recently with my username and said, and someone said, "Hey, is your name a Boardwalk Re- Boardwalk Empire reference?" I go, "No, it's my name." <laughs> but I hate that show because of that question. Well, strong feelings from the I've life. never seen the show. I just hate that character <laughs> name choice by the casting or writers or whatever. <laughs> and if you want to find me, the Twitter is at classy underscore Don. That's D-O-N. You can find my RPG podcast at iTunes at Podbean. I'll just enter in my RPG podcast. And once again, thank you for listening, and I will see you at the table. Mm-hmm.